Welcome, friend. We are so glad you've joined us to listen in as ordinary people share their extraordinary stories of how one man changed their lives forever. No two stories are the same, yet it's our hope that you'll relate enough to want to meet the same man all our listeners have met. Listen as my friends tell me about a man that gave them hope and love beyond their wildest imaginations. Stephanie Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. We actually are on a little road trip right now. I wasn't sure if I was going to mention it, or but why not? I mean, we're just real here. Hey, we're just keeping it real. So we are in a hotel room in Huntsville, Huntsville Texas. Huntsville, Texas, yeah. Not at the prison. <laughs> we're not visiting anyone at the prison, but we are in Huntsville, Texas, about to pick up your kiddos tomorrow from camp. Yes. So I brought the equipment, and I thought, let's just do this and see what what comes out of it. And so we finally had a chance to get it done. So we are going to just hear your story. Okay. But before we do, you have to answer the questions. (laughs) Oh, I'm, I've been excited to, to do this part. You would think that I would have made up some new ones and I might along the way. Maybe. Uh, cake or chips and salsa? So I have thought about that and I think I'm going to be the only different one so far in the ones who have done the podcast. And it depends on the day. It depends on the time of day. So I might be craving chips and salsa, but then I might want cake that day. So I can't ever commit. So is it dependent on the day or the time of day? Because that means you might have both in the same day. Um, I might have both in the same day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. She's a, she just likes all the things. That's good. What is something on your bucket adventure list? Hmm. Are you ready for that one? No, because I don't really have a bucket list. I don't know. I mean, I know there, I know, I know, I know that there are obviously things that I want to do and I love to travel. Mm -hmm. And so even just like on this trip, I was telling somebody, I was like, I just love culture. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've been to Egypt. So Mm -hmm. that kind of feels like a bucket list thing Mm -hmm. and, you know, just going to Nicaragua and stuff. And so I don't know, I guess my bucket list is whenever I'm 80 years old, I still want to go to maybe Australia or just to travel. So your bucket list is just wide open. It's not a destination per se. It's just An to adventure. keep the, yes. Just keep the adventures going. Yeah. I like it. That's good. I like how you keep your options open. Right? I try. And anywhere they're serving cake and chips and salsa. Well, because what if I get to a position that I have to commit and then I don't like what I chose? So, you know, I mean, I don't know. Just let life lead the way. Carpe diem. I think I have to keep a bucket list, like actually on my phone. So I don't forget the things I want to do because I'm okay. just getting older. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, in a couple of years, we're going to Scotland. So that's right. probably, it's my husband's bucket list, but right. it can be my bucket list too. Yeah. So yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. Be good. Okay. Good answers. Okay. So let's dig in. So tell me a little bit about young Stephanie. Just kind of lay the picture of like where you grew up, what life was like. Just your childhood, going into your teen years, that sort of thing. Okay. So growing up, I am super close with both my parents, but they got divorced whenever I was super young. And so life like that looked like um, seeing my dad every other weekend, but he was very, tried to be a part of my sister and I's life. And so, but we lived with my mom, obviously, and um, we would go back and forth. She, when she and my dad got married, that was her second marriage. And so both of my mom and my dad were probably married by the time I was three and four years old. 
and it was also my dad's this would have been his third marriage as well so they have both been gotten divorced and then were married three for the third time and so with that husband um we moved around all the time and so from kindergarten until third grade i probably went to seven different schools and we stayed in oklahoma i've been born and raised in oklahoma had a little stint in California for like six months, but that was it. Mm-hmm. And so, but grew up in Oklahoma and um, have been there ever since. I'm 40 years old and I'm still in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So, but life like that, I mean, I've always been a very inquisitive child. Mm-hmm. I've always had lots of questions, just always um like to talk to people but kind of reserved too. Like I'm the baby of the family, so just kind of like watching what goes on. Um, but after, let's see, I moved in with my dad whenever I was nine. So lived with my mom up until that time. And then things just weren't good. Um, there was just a lot of abuse in the home. And so I ended up moving in with my dad whenever I was nine. My sister also did. And she's my half sister. Uh, we have the same mom, but different dads. And since the situation was so bad, my dad had adopted her. So he was legally, mm-hmm. you know, her father. Mm-hmm. And so, but did Prior not. Prior to them getting divorced. Yes. 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 And um, so they did allow my sister and I to move in with my dad. So then we, you know, here I am, nine years old, moving in with my dad. And he is married to a woman who, she wasn't abusive or anything, but she just wasn't very involved as a mom for me and my sister mm-hmm. and so and this is in your early teens when you needed a like, mom and my mom was gone right you know and so there was a time of our lives from about 10 until i was 16 that i didn't get to see or talk to my mom mm-hmm. and so um it just wasn't healthy mm-hmm. you know and so my dad just he was always a protector and he obviously had his own faults too but he was you know very insistent upon that he didn't want to see my sister and i get hurt any more than what we had already been mm-hmm. and so he just you know took it to the court and said it's just probably not a good idea for them to have contact mm-hmm. and they allowed that mm-hmm. so you go okay. into your teen years you you have a Sounds like a pretty good male influence in your life. Your yeah. dad is, like you said, a protector. He's ever, you know, he's the things that a dad should be, especially to young teenage girls. Um, you're missing that mom okay. um, influence in your life, that female influence that should have a huge impact on the woman that you become. Yeah. How did that affect like your teenage years, your decision making, your? I mean, you're an adventurous person. Were you too adventurous? I also, you're an introvert. Yes. Would you say an extreme introvert? Um, no, I mean, I'd say like what they call I'm an extroverted introvert. So okay. like I like to get out, um, but I also like to crawl back in. So, you know, yes. I do seek social interaction, but mm-hmm. it's just I like my circle right. as I've learned over the years. But I was probably very extroverted as a kid. And really? so maybe just things that have happened over the years, um, you know, you just learned when to be still and when to be quiet awareness and boundaries absolutely yeah yeah so i would say though um 
not very much there as a mom. Um, she tried her best, mm -hmm. you know, but my dad and my stepmom, oh my gosh, they fought so much. My dad did have a problem with alcohol. Um, he always did as, at a very young age. And so I saw a lot of abuse going on between them. Mm -hmm. um, and not with on my, me and my sister or anything, but there was just a lot of domestic abuse going on. Mm -hmm. And so probably up into my teenage years, um, I mean, even at the age of 12, age of 13, I was very, I wanted to please people. Um, I didn't get in a lot of trouble. I didn't back talk or anything. Right. And then I don't know why, but for some reason, <laughs> probably six, uh, seventh grade, eighth grade, it was like, I was looking for something, mm. you know, and unfortunately it wasn't the right stuff. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of things, you know, I had a friend that invited me over one time we were in the seventh grade and I smoked a cigarette for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I can't even imagine my daughter doing that now, right. you know? And so, but it was just like, I was looking for that acceptance mm -hmm. and she had invited me over to her house and it was like a really cool thing. And so then it, I would say then is kind of whenever I was like, oh, I can try different things. And, and I'm liked, I'm fitting in. Yeah, Somebody's and nothing's happening to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that even went on to probably my high school years. Mm -hmm got way worse um were you still changing schools like so you know you're in i'm with my dad and stepmom steady no we moved to around. a town in oklahoma and um i started my fourth grade there a uh, year there and i ended up graduating there okay, so, so you, no it was very consistent okay, after good. that no things were not obviously perfect but no it was very consistent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i will say from my early childhood years like sometimes i have no recollection of school i have no recollection mm -hmm. of learning something in the first second third mm -hmm. grade that mm -hmm. you know sometimes you'll ask kids you're like oh when i was in this class i remember so and so i have no idea who my teachers were mm -hmm. um you know and so i I feel like I kind of missed out on that right. sometimes, but right. you know, anyways, back to it. Um, high school, I got definitely got into the wrong crowd. Um, I ended up losing friends that I'd had starting, you know, fourth grade on because I was making, you know, poor decisions. And we did not, when I went with my, when I lived with my mom, we went to church sometimes. I mean, like it would have been on an Easter Sunday right. or, you know, what they say, see, right. Easter, Christmas, you holiday. know, absolutely. Yeah. We might have been in church. Mm -hmm. And then with my dad, um, they did not go to church. And the, if I did at all go, um, I do remember the first Baptist that I would go to often whenever I was probably fourth and fifth grade and, um, the van would come pick me up, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like I had to be in the door. So like if it drove by and I was dressed and they were like, Oh, the church bus is here to pick you up. But it was never like, Hey, let me go with you. Let right. me take you to church. You know, nothing, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then in high school, still didn't go to church. Nothing, God was not mentioned in our home. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think going to church and the church bus picking you up, you hear the name of Jesus, mm -hmm. but it has to be reinforced at home. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, it, it wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, and my parents were doing the best that they could. Um, but, and then in high school, I had a few friends that were, were did go to church and, um, so I was involved a little bit, but never went to Falls Creek, never went to, you know, Sunday school wasn't really a thing uh, for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, my parents just weren't involved. Mm -hmm. And so um, high school, I, sl I 
it's left around. Um, I mean, I'm just being vulnerable no, here. Like where, this is where it's at. Where so yeah, honest. no, I, I just was looking for acceptance, any kind of acceptance. Um, I did some drugs in high school. Um, I drank in high school, just a lot of things now, like I said, I just can't imagine my kids being a part of. Mm. Um, and so it is humbling, you know, it is shameful, um, but until you know any different, then you just keep on mm. trying to find something. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for me, it wasn't in, it wasn't in the good things. I want to get to like what changed, but what is like after graduation? I mean, did, oh, God, it I mean, continued. I mean, okay. So you go on to college. Um, so that for me, my mom was living in Colorado at that time and we had kind of, started picking up a relationship with one another you know i'd been without my mom for six years and it doesn't matter what a parent does to you you still want them in your life you oh my goodness so much mm -hmm. and you know and to have the mom that you didn't have for six years so mm -hmm. like missing out on prom missing out mm -hmm. on first dates missing missing out on me having a boyfriend missing out on you know just whatever you know those first of all the things that you go through you know like I remember um, getting my period for the first time. Nobody helped me. Had to figure it out on my own. Actually, I had friends, mm -hmm. you know. So, but just those things that moms do, yeah. and it wasn't. And so, at about seventeen, I started sneaking behind my dad's back and talking to my mom. She had reached out to me, and my sister is older than me, and so she had already started having a relationship with her again. And so, yeah, I snuck behind his back. Her fourth husband was um, in the military. And so at one point they were living in Norman, which is pretty close to my hometown. And so I would go up and see her and it was still sneaking around behind my dad's back. Mm. And so eventually I finally just told him, hey, like this is what's going on. And he was very hurt because here he had poured his heart out to, yeah. you know, trying to protect his kids. Mm -hmm. And he then felt betrayed. I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he wasn't mad. Right. He just was hurt and scared for you. Right. Right. He didn't want to see me get hurt again. Right. And so, um, but after I graduated, she had, um, already moved to Colorado. And so I was of course looking for a new adventure and something again, like yeah. just never, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not complacent, but just like happy where I'm at, mm -hmm. you know, always feeling like I need, like something needs what's to happen. Next? I need to do something. Yes, absolutely. And so moved to Colorado that husband was not a very good guy. Like, they're not even together now. They're mm. divorced. Um, it happened pretty soon after I moved up there. He had no kids. He just, it just didn't understand. Mm. Um, and so it didn't work out. I think I was there for about three months, and I... Um, I fled home. <laughs> it's like, this is not working. And while I had been up there, I had even gotten a new car and that it was under my name, but they had co-signed for me. And so whenever I took the car and drove it back to Oklahoma, he even called the cops on me mm. and like had an APB out for my arrest because I had stolen his car. And whenever they ended up looking it up, they were like, she owns this car. Right. There's not, there's not one thing we can do. No. So it was almost like, I would just always felt like I was running just to, right. just to look, you know, yeah. what else can I find? Because this isn't working. Yeah. And so, or the next best thing. Yeah. So I get back to Oklahoma and I mean, of course, my dad um, welcomes me with open arms. <laughs> of course, he always does. And so, um, but I got restless again. And so I ended up moving um, to Shawnee 
and started working at a sporting goods store there. So how far away would that be from your hometown? Oh, um, it's about 20 minutes or okay. so. so. Not yeah. too far. Not Just too far. Mm -hmm. A little independence. Yeah, yeah. I had gotten into a relationship there. It was not, um, not healthy at all. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of drinking. There was um, a lot of manipulation. Mm -hmm. And so even one night, uh, we were at a park and playing basketball and a car drives up and these two guys get out of the car and whenever he walks up to me i'm just kind of thinking well maybe they're gonna talk to us or something because you're with your boyfriend at the time right and so walks up to me holds a gun to my head and says give me the keys and so uh, yes and um that's probably one of like the most frightening times of my life just i mean it was real i mean it was yeah and so i'm just you know have my hands up and i'm like i don't have the keys and so trying was it your car no oh. and so trying to move very slowly not to make like any kind of rash you know like movements or mm -hmm. anything like that or to say something that's going to make them mad um and so i just say i don't have the keys and so i'm like are you gonna hand them over and they don't and so, I mean, and the, the car was not even worth it. I mean, even my car that I have today, you know, I'm, I would have given the keys in so a heartbeat. So he was willing to, to sacrifice you? For, for this piece of junk car. Wow. Yes. I mean, it was not a healthy relationship at all. Uh, not, not yet. yet. Not, not yet. yet. No. Okay. Yep. Let's keep going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but and and in some instances like that in my life, I, I know that Jesus was there. And consciously, I wasn't thinking that was Jesus. Right. But I, I was um, brave enough to say, this isn't what you want to do. You can do better than this, mm. you know. And so eventually, probably. With a gun to your face. Yes. To my, wow. I mean, to the right side of my head. I, I mean, I'm thinking it's like clear as day in my head right now. And, um, you know, probably what felt like 10 minutes to me, it might have been like three minutes, right. you know, something like right. that. But um, finally, he, he is still pointing it at me, but backs away and says, you're not worth it. Mm -hmm and gets in the car and drives away and so my heart is like racing <laughs> i've never heard that story <laughs> no no okay well oh, uh, for some reason i thought maybe i had shared it with you, you may but, have but that was intense uh, yeah <laughs> my hands are sweating <laughs> mine are too i mean yeah so, and that's not i'm not laughing wow. about it it right, just right. you know um i can talk about it now but, right yeah but that was your life that you was were, you weren't just in a healthy an unhealthy relationship you were in an unhealthy environment all oh around. yes um and i had put myself there you know it's not what my parents have done to me like um you know to a point i have to take responsibility mm -hmm. um i think that's very important. very important um and so but i was working at the sporting goods store and i was i mean i would go at lunchtime with friends and go get high and mm -hmm. then come back and i mean just anything that i thought that i could fit in mm -hmm. you know and that's what they were doing so why not? Mm -hmm. And, um, but there was a boss there and he started talking to me about God and he was like, you know, do you go to church and no? And, but it was more kind of like, you know, when you go to, to work and you just kind of have like everyday conversation. conversation. Yeah. I mean, worker. that's what it was about. There was no condemnation. Judgment. There was no, Oh, you don't go to church. Well, mean? why didn't you grow up in church? Right. You know, just those type of things, right. you know? And so, um, just would talk to me. Was yeah. it your age? Um, no, he was, I mean, I was 
20 years old at that time and he had I mean he could have been my dad he was probably in his 40s I mean just talked to me like I was his child you know like a kid um and so I was like no I don't don't go to church that's not for me Mm -hmm. you know like I'm I'm a I've always been a good person I would oh yeah I would I was making bad decisions but that doesn't mean though that I wouldn't give the shirt off my back to somebody right always willing to help somebody out And so, um, you know, he would bring it up and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't go to church. That's, that's just not for me. I'm not good enough for church. And so, I mean, probably a month goes by and he would randomly bring it up. And so after that, the, the park incident happened, then I kind of, um, just started talking to God, even though I hadn't accepted him. You knew there was this being that was a higher power than you yeah, because of going to like the different the church bus picking you up. You had heard of him. You know of him. You know he exists. You believe right. he exists. And you're like, I'm out of people to talk to. Right. So I'm going to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then one day after he had mentioned it again, my boss had mentioned it again, um, I really did. I, I just kind of audibly started or out loud started talking to God. And I was like, hey, I am horrible. And if you want me to, I mean, I can't even imagine that you would want me to know you. I mean, just I felt that bad about all the decisions that I had made. I've told you before, I like to know things. Mm-hmm. I like to ask questions. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very much so. A researcher. So much. So much mm-hmm. of a researcher. Mm-hmm. And so, but I said, you know, if you, if you want me to know you, you're definitely going to have to show me some sort of sign. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, and my walk with God now, I'm like, I can't believe I asked that of him, <laughs> you know? I mean. He was like rolling his eyes. <laughs> I know. He was. I'm sure he was. You know, God's funny. He laughs at us. Right, and he was right. probably like, okay, I'll do this for you. Whatever she needs. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And so, um, I'm not sure about the time because I, I do know I was saved whenever I was 20 and this was happening. So it might it might have been like a month later. Maybe it, it was two weeks later. I don't know. But I was driving down the highway and I had just been, you know, just been praying about it a week before, two weeks before. You know, you're going to have to show me a sign. These two weeks, you're still making choices to go get high. Oh, yes. This yeah. isn't like, I start talking to God. And yeah. I lived, no. I never and, made a bad choice. And when, yes. And when I set up that picture for myself, like I don't have to justify it, but I wasn't getting drunk all the time. Right, I right, wasn't, no, you know, I it wasn't it. a daily thing, right. but it was just like in these moments that you know I didn't feel good about myself or I was like oh this is how I fit in I go hang right. out with you know that crowd or whatever I, d- I just want that to be right. said yeah but I'm driving down the highway and I happen to look on the side of the road and there's this man and literally from his chest down to his feet like he's just walking down the road and he has this like full body size sign on his body that he's carrying and he's walking my like t- in my direction but it, I mean it's on the interstate people are going 70 miles an hour like a sandwich board yeah and it says Jesus is coming and so I I'd start some highway in Oklahoma some highway in Oklahoma like going from it was probably from my hometown to back to home to where I was gonna right. go like work you know right. or whatever and that man with that huge sign in these huge letters just says Jesus is coming and so I'm I mean I 100% fulfilled that 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 was my sign he was like here's your sign right you know like you asked for it and I know where you're at in life Mm -hmm. and I know that you need this Mm -hmm. and so here it is I'm gonna give it to you and so I start laughing because it's just like how funny are you you know that like not fun 
I don't know, just funny in an ironic way that God will meet you where you're at. Mm. You don't have to make any sort of decision except for just to be open to Mm -hmm. hear it and open to accept it. And so he came to me where I was. So how long was it from the time that you saw the sign till you realized it was a sign from God? Was it like instant or were you like two minutes down the road and you're like, oh my God. No, it was pretty instant because at that time, I, my heart was being prepared. You were seeking, you were, you were absolutely. Yes, I was. Yeah. And I think that's whenever, you know, we have to make the decision like God is there 100% all the time, Mm -hmm. but we have to be willing to accept it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for how many ever years, even whenever I went to church as a little kid, maybe I could have accepted it, but my heart wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. And so at that moment, whenever I passed that sign, I mean, I was like, oh my God. Okay. 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 Thank you. Thank you for my sign. You do want me. Yes. So what happened? Like, were you just Um, over? Did you go talk to your manager at work? Like what happened? There was another girl girl there that was attending a church and I had told her about it and she said, well, start coming to church with me. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, um, and I got sprinkled. That's how I was baptized. Sprinkled? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got sprinkled with the water on my head. Nice. And so my life kind of started slowly turning around. Uh-huh. Um, I was still in that relationship and, um, still, still like, you know, some people it's like cold turkey. They stop doing everything. Right. And that didn't happen with me, mm. but he was setting it up to where it was going to stop though. Mm. And so like putting a path in my way that is like, here is my path. Mm-hmm. Come, come walk on, down mm-hmm. my road. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one day at the sporting goods store, the brother owned one up in Norman mm-hmm. and he said, Hey, if you ever want a job, like come move to Norman. And so me always seeking an adventure. I mean, like God has given me that spirit. Like I'm still adventurous now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he said, but if you ever want to move to Norman, then I'll hire you. And so I got out of the relationship, Mm -hmm. moved up to Norman and um, still making bad decisions, but it wasn't as frequent. Mm -hmm. And did it come with a conscience then? Was it, were you more thinking about like, this oh, probably isn't a good decision more yeah, than it was before? Yes. Well, whenever, before I would do something and I didn't really feel bad about it, mm-hmm. didn't have any remorse about it. Mm-hmm. Some of these days I would still go out, you know, with friends or clubbing and drinking. And, you know, the next day I was like, oh, that probably wasn't a good mm-hmm. idea, you know? And so slowly opening up my heart more that the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit can move mm-hmm. and say, okay, like this, this, this isn't a good mm-hmm. idea, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but I, I did, I got out of that relationship and let me think two or three months of being there. I met my husband. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it was that quick. I mean, wow. did you know when you met him that you're like, um, so it's so funny because we both say that, you know, um, people think, oh, I fell in love at first sight and you know, all of that stuff. We did not fall in love at first sight. Did you like each other? Um, yeah. I mean, so we both worked at that sporting goods store and whenever I first worked there, he was on vacation. So I didn't really even get to meet him at first. Mm -hmm. And then, um, he came back from his vacation and we met, Mm -hmm. um, and we talked a little bit. I mean, actually he was my, uh, manager there at the sporting goods store that I was working at in Norman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we honestly didn't even think about it. 
And then one day my car broke down and I didn't have a ride to work. And so I called up to the store and he answered and I said, hey, I don't have a ride to work. And so he offered to come get me. Nice. <laughs> yeah, very. He's a sweet guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we're, he comes and gets me and I hop in the car and he happens to be listening to a Coldplay song. Uh -oh. And I love Coldplay. You're like, and so we were like, oh, people? hey, we have something in common. Yeah. And so then we, you know, talked for a little bit after that. And then we ended up just deciding that we were going to date. How many years ago was that? Oh, hang on. Tw almost 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So Steph's starting to make better choices. Yes. Steph is in a relationship with Jesus. You feel like at that point, where does like the, the deep surrender happen? Like when you're like, things have to change. I am a child of God. I deserve better. Like those types of, was it, has it always been gradual and you've just sort of matured in your faith? Um, it did not stop overnight. It has been, um, it has been gradual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely think that, um, because I learn more through, you know, as I go. Mm -hmm. And so the more I know, the more that I'm making these decisions, like questioning things, researching things, reading scripture, mm -hmm praying about it, going to church, worshiping, like those things absolutely will help guide you, you know, and um, having people in your life that are willing to love you and to but give you the truth. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, Jared had our, and I have had our ups and downs whenever we were dating. We actually broke up like twice and we dated for almost four years before we would even get married. And the one of the reasons, well, the huge reason why is because I have had nothing but divorce in my family. So like I'm literally the first person, my parents, my sister, my grandparents, my great grandparents mm -hmm. who has not been divorced. Mm -hmm. And that scared him. Mm -hmm. Because on the flip side of that, <laughs> he is one of the first that has never been divorced in his family. Mm. That he's never had divorce, and I've only had divorce. Right. So it was You're like two very different worlds, absolutely. Very different cultures. And I was going to church more at that time. Jared had kind of stopped going to church. Mm. He lived in Norman. He went to OU. Mm -hmm. You know, he slept in on Sundays mm -hmm. and all of those things. And so I had the idea. I was like, Hey, let's start going to your church. And so to your hometown church. Oh, I was like in Norman? <laughs> no, no, to his hometown church. And so, because um, I had been back to his hometown a few times, mm -hmm. and God was really just calling me like, you guys need to be going together. Mm -hmm. We weren't even engaged at that time, but we were going to church. Mm -hmm. um, and so during that time, like I said, it wasn't a full surrender but it was making these better choices. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we broke up one more time. <laughs> and then we decided to get back together. And his parents were saying, you know, you guys need to figure this out. Right. You are or you aren't. Right. Like, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And so a month later, we got engaged. There you go. Yeah. And 16 years later. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So life's been great. Oh, it's been peach king. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no. I mean... It has been great, but it's not just butterflies and rainbows and nothing ever happens. Right. Yeah. No. Um, because, I mean, so you're saying life's not a Instagram highlight reel. I mean, There's people, people make it look that right. way, but no. What are some, um, some struggles, some things that you would share that you've walked through that a listener could relate to that you're only on this side of it because of your relationship, because of your pursuit of Jesus, because mm -hmm. of your this 
because of that moment when you were like, okay, if you're really real, show me a sign. Right. Two weeks later, he's like, here's your sign, literally. Yeah. And then you just start growing, and he's continually to make, make continually making himself real to you. Yeah. Where are some times that you are like, there isn't a doubt. There's no way I could have gotten through this had I not had a relationship with Jesus, had I not surrendered my life to a God that loves me and pursues me and wants me to be a chain breaker. Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons why it hasn't been so just overnight for me is because I have to go through it first Mm -hmm. and then reflecting back on something. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Jared and I had been married. Um, We moved back to his hometown. Mm Mm-hmm when we get married and we live there for three, four years. I'm in college and end up, you know, graduating, graduate with my master's. And then we moved about 20 miles North. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we just needed a change Mm -hmm. and more so probably me because that's his hometown. Mm -hmm. And so really just pushing for a change and pushing for a change. So we moved to that town, stay there for about four years. And then I get pregnant with our second kiddo and God's like, I think you guys need to move back. You're driving back and forth too much. It's not Mm -hmm. good. You know, it wasn't good for our marriage because we were spending a lot of time in the car. Um, He was spending time away from home a lot because he worked in his hometown. Yes. He worked in his hometown. Yes. And so 20 miles doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're gone, you know, and and then you have a newborn or on the way, I mean, it's a lot, you know, and my love language is quality time. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, I want to spend time with you when I can, because we are separated by work or, you know, whatever the things may be. So anyways, um, but yeah, pregnant with our second kiddo and just started feeling that God was calling us back. And he said, you are crazy. (laughs) By that time, Jared is just, I mean, bless his heart. And I'm so thankful for it. He is a creature of habit. Mm -hmm. And so if he's in his hometown, then he's good. You know, like that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then once we moved, it took him a little bit while, but then he got good with that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, he's like, no, you're crazy. We're not doing that. Mm -hmm. So then, um, I don't know, five months go by, and I say, no, I, I really feel like God's calling us to go back. We're driving back and forth all the time. I mean, 10 times a week and mm-hmm. just various things. And so he's like, okay, let's do it. And so we find a house um, for super dirt cheap and ended up redoing the inside of it and all of this stuff. So we moved back to Lindsay, mm-hmm. his hometown, mm-hmm. and we are there... For just a few months and I became friends with someone that I always thought would be a great relationship a girlfriend that I could confide in you know after all this time I'm still looking for someone to you know have a good girlfriend a good girlfriend friendship with Mm -hmm. but that's healthy in a godly way Mm -hmm. and so we spent a lot of time together Mm -hmm. and um but then I kind of started I didn't see the discernment at the time Mm -hmm that you know she would talk about her husband um she would say things in the sense of that like she would be okay if they got divorced she would you know just a lot of evil things Mm -hmm. and I started thinking well I mean you know marriages aren't perfect Mm -hmm. and so I started kind of comparing which is horrible Mm -hmm. to do I was like, I deserve more. I'd be okay if we got divorced. I was going to a Bible study at that time. Like I was in his word. It's not. And I think the more you do get into his word, like you will get attacked. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's important to know. You got to have your body armor on. The seeds of bitterness are being planted in you. Absolutely. And then so the things that your husband was doing before this friendship 
probably never bothered you. Um, I mean, they did, but not in the sense that I couldn't just let it go. Right, but you know, later on, after the seed of bitterness oh. is, is planted, you're like, that's it. That's uh-huh. the thing I can't yeah. stand. And, no. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just decided um, he took my daughter on a little trip to a football game, and when he came back, I told him that I didn't want to be married anymore. So this had been two years that we had been living back in his hometown. Oh. So you've been that, married... Um, we had just celebrated our ninth. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, um, then I told him that I, I mean, I was over it that, you know, and for me, I've moved around a lot, you know, my children would be okay to have to go back and forth every weekend. Like that's what, oh, I did. And, um, you know, I had even gone as far as like the papers had been drawn up. I had gotten a, was about to sign on a house in another town and had already been accepted at another job. Mm. And so I'm like, I can do this. It's going to be, you know, and like I said, I was in the word I was, I thought I was doing, um, what God had called me to do. And what he had really called me to do was to work it out. Mm. So I'm laying in bed one night and the Holy Spirit totally just wakes me up. And I mean, audibly says, do not do this. Mm. And I mean, I am anxious. I, you know, and I mean, Jared, like I said, he's a, a creature of habit. So when he, you know, two or three months had gone by and he was com- not comfortable, but he knew that this was what going to happen. He was accepting. He, 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 ex- he had yeah. already started making his. Absolutely. Plans. Like his plans. Right. Yeah. And so I sat him down and I just said, hey, like, I don't. I don't think this is going to work because when the Holy Spirit did that, I thought I started thinking about my kids and there was no way that I wanted to go back and forth on the weekends. You know, I know it works for other people, but for me, that was not going to work. And there was no way that I was going to be able to share my kids with another person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just said, you know, like, let's make this work for the kids. Mm -hmm. And that was all that it was about at the time. I was still so numb. Um, I mean, we, we did need a lot of work on our marriage. So there were only two reasons that at that moment, at that time you were saving your marriage because the Holy Spirit said, Mm -hmm. don't do this. Yes. And for our kids. Right. This wasn't because I love you because we're like, like we were meant to be together. We both love Coldplay. It wasn't any of that stuff. It was two reasons that most people, I mean, obviously being obedient to the Holy Spirit, but a lot of people would say, don't stay together for the kids. And mm-hmm. that's, that could be a miserable life ahead. I had friends telling me that. Okay. Yeah. So he says, okay. He says, okay. And he was at the emotional state that I was. I mean, obviously we still loved each other because we had kids together, mm-hmm. you know, but we were numb and we were hurt Exhausted. and absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so he said, okay, we will. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, really weren't talking. We would spend time with the kids together, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. And so my sister called me one day and she said, I just really don't want you guys to get divorced. And she had had problems with her husband. And she said, I know about this group and it's it's called Reengage. And I was really, I didn't want to hear it at the time. My heart did not want to hear it. And so I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? And so a couple of weeks go by and she's like, no, I really want you to look into Reengage. I had no idea what it is, but she said, you know, it helped my marriage tremendously. Because we had tried counseling before and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so I Googled Reengage. She um, she lived in Texas and so she didn't have the same information. Mm-hmm. So I Google Reengage and find this person to talk to. And they're like, well, we haven't done a Reengage group in a really long time. But, oh, so you this know, isn't we'll... even like it's a continuing, like you can join in. 
it wasn't even it was kind of non-existent correct wow like they had already done a group prior you know uh six months before or something mm-hmm. they said but you know we'll see if a group wants to get together mm-hmm. and if they do then we'll let you know mm-hmm. and so he ended up calling me back and he said yeah we're gonna get a group together and um it's in oklahoma city which is a good hour from mm-hmm. our hometown mm-hmm. And he said it's a 16-week course on Sunday nights. And we have a first grader and a three, four-year-old. And so he said we do have child care. But uh, minus me going to Nicaragua one of those weekends, we drove up 15 straight Sundays to Oklahoma City when to do this. When you presented it to Jared, was he like, yeah, let's do this. That's fine. Let's try it. Or was he like, yes, let's do this? He wasn't, yes, let's do this. <laughs> he was more like, it, he wants to know what, he wants to know the, to know the plan. Yeah. He likes to know people ahead of time, you know, and so he just, it was almost like, a, I don't trust it. Like, what is this thing? Right. You know, like, what are you asking me to do? And so, because when counseling, when I asked him to go to counseling, it was like, I am not going. And when he finally did, I mean, it just, yeah, just counseling just wasn't for us. And so we do the re-engage and um, it redeemed our marriage. Yeah. I mean, we, um, it taught us, you know, various things. It wasn't counseling. It was just other couples who struggle in life, Mm -hmm. um, that rely on Christ Mm -hmm. that want God at the center of their marriage. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that rely on other people to help them out, Mm -hmm. um, to share stories, um, and just Christ really showing us like what's most important. And that's him ultimately, like, Um, Not only did I make a promise to Jared, but I made a covenant with God Mm. when we got married. Mm -hmm. And that covenant was that I don't, I mean, you you can break a contract and you can break like a a handshake, but when you make a covenant with somebody, that that doesn't get broken. Mm. So Mm. I don't want to steal too much of what Reengage has like their proprietary stuff. I'm sure it's not, but you know what I mean? But, um, there have been two things that you've taught me over the years that came out of that. Okay. And also I'll let you, I'll give you the, the, yeah, the tell subject. me. Cause I'm like, Oh, what are you talking about? And I want you to like go into detail. <laughs> okay. Um, the log and the couch, the log, uh, um, the log in the eye. Yeah. Like that I have to take mine out first. Yes. Okay. And then the couch, the God couch. Well, I mean, through re-engage, then it was, you know, you have to realize that you have two very sinful people. We are a broken world. Right. Everybody is sinful. And so when you live together, you know, you're under the same roof. Jared and I did not absolutely have the same upbringing. Like they are total opposites. And so... In order for me to say something to him, like I definitely have to take the log out of my own eye before I can even expect to approach him about something that he's done. Because you don't get to come at him like, I'm perfect and you're messed up. It's like, I have my own issues to deal with, correct? Absolutely. Like, I've got, like, you've got a little splinter in your eye <laughs> that I really want to point out to you, but I can't even see that splinter. Correct. Until I remove this gigantic log in my eye. And yes. that's scripturally based. Yes. And it has taught me a lot of times to be like, oh man, before I just start attacking, mm-hmm. check yourself. Yes. Well, and that's what we, you know, joke about. I think that's where the weirdo thing comes from mm-hmm. is that he is my favorite weirdo. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, you look on our Instagram, it's always like hashtag my favorite weirdo or, you know, mm-hmm. what two weirdos in a pod or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just an acceptance of... Um, that he is not perfect 
and that I am not perfect, but through God and um, him weaving us together through him, Mm -hmm. then we can just accept each other's differences Mm -hmm. and um, God can like do so many amazing things with that. Yeah. So. And then the God couch. The God couch. Yeah. So we were watching a video and um, so you have this big, huge centered couch and that's God's couch. Mm -hmm. And so to the left might be my couch and to the right of God's couch is Jared's couch. And whenever we're being selfish and we're in our flesh, I go to my own couch. And sometimes that still happens. Like Jared's scrolling on his phone and I'm spending too much time with the kids. And, you know, I mean, it's life. It's going to happen. We, you know, still have struggles today. But whenever we go back on God's couch, we are focused on God. And so it allows us to come together. So I'm not by myself and he's not by himself. We are with God on God's couch. I love that. Yeah. So you said you still struggle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do still like, struggle. Please let us know that just because you went through 16 weeks and your marriage has been redeemed, you guys still get ticked off at each other. Oh, we absolutely still get you ticked still, off like, at each other. Just yes. Be like, Listen, mister. But I have to remember and check myself to say, mm. is this worth it in the next five mm. minutes? Is this worth it in the next month? Mm. Because I okay. was a very, his, what, not hysterical person, but no. a, <laughs> maybe in the moment, but no. He would say different. <laughs> but a historical person that mm. I would bring things up that he had disappointed me in in the past. And you didn't deal with it in the past. No, you, no. Like, he's going, I don't know what you're talking about. But you have to decide, is this worth bringing it up and talking it out? Right. You know, and so 16 years later, I would say, you know, we were just talking the other day, like, we can have a conversation and we can walk away and not be hurt at one another, you know, for the most part, Mm -hmm. you know, there might be still things that are still harboring. And so we come back and we talk about it again. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say, you know, like one of the great things that we have learned through reengage is that you can have confrontation. Confrontation is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And we have confrontation in front of our children. We call it strong fellowship, right? We call it intense fellowship. fellowship. Yes. We call it intense Mm -hmm. fellowship, but no, we do. We have confrontation in front of our kids. Mm To let and them they see get that you to see. Yes, they get to see us work it right. out because. We'll disagree. Uh, And that's, I mean, we're people like that's going to happen, you know? And so, yeah, you know, they, they do get to see us, um, talk it out. Yeah. So I love that because we're going to talk it out and now we're going to be unified and you guys don't get to play us. Like that's a whole parenting lesson in itself. (laughs) So, you know, and like now we've done the be intentional with one another. That was a reengaged thing. Mm -hmm. And so going out on dates with Mm -hmm. one another, because Mm -hmm. as a mother, um, I mean, you can totally put your husband on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Men tend to put their spouse is on the back burner because of work and we do with our children Mm -hmm. and so we 100% make sure to tell our children yes I love you but I love your dad more Mm -hmm. or I put your dad first and they're like what that's not fair and it's like no husbands come Christ comes first husband comes second and you guys come third and they're watching and the goal is that when they pick their spouse that's the exact same way that they structure and build their home also I pray that we have figured it out early enough that we're setting an example Mm. for them yeah so what number anniversary will be your next anniversary (laughs) well we just um celebrated our 16th yeah and so yeah so next year will be 17 so you've been redeemed for seven years um so it happened in 17 so six years six years yeah 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 what a miracle yeah is there anything else that you feel like someone who's listening may need to know that you've walked through that 
because again, I mean, that's that's something that it, it takes two people who have a relationship with Jesus to be able to humble themselves and say, okay, Lord, you're telling me. And even though maybe your your reasoning wasn't your um, yeah, your reason in the beginning wasn't I want to save my marriage because, but eventually God revealed that to you. Yeah. So, is there anything else that you'd want to share a, a time in your life that you're just like? this happened because I would think like what you've already been through with your marriage and stuff. I mean, that's a huge deal. Like when your marriage is falling apart, your family is falling apart. And then anything else that you'd want to say, we also had to walk through this. Um, yeah, I mean, I got, I'm not the kid who got saved when they were five. Like I'm so thankful that my kids uh, made that decision when they were five, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I decided to call on the name of Jesus and accept him into my heart and so um, and be born again Mm -hmm. and when you do make that decision maybe it wasn't a strong surrender at the time Mm -hmm. but your heart does change Mm -hmm. and so I always thought how can somebody turn their back on God Mm -hmm. like he has totally changed my whole perspective of life Um, opened up new doors for me. He loves me unconditionally. You know, like, how could I ever do that? Mm. And so, of course, my faith is always going to be strong. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there would be little things that would happen that it would just be like, you know, and like I said, I was born with a questioning heart. Mm -hmm. God knows that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that whenever you are questioning him, where's your motive? is how is he going to be okay with that Mm -hmm. if he knows that you're innocently just asking Mm -hmm. how are you involved in this or you know why absolutely yes and so i think that we are meant to ask questions Mm -hmm. as long as it's with the right motive Mm -hmm. and so um in 2021 i mean things were you know jared and i still have our issues or whatever but um i mean for the most part life is good you know i've got two great kids and they're both in school and we go to our work and we go to church and we have fun and adventures and we love to camp and just do all of those things and so i mean life's good Mm -hmm. and so we decided that we were going to go um snow skiing with some friends Mm -hmm. and while we are on that trip um it's it's i'm like trying to set it up Mm -hmm. because um we have two sets of friends that come with us and one of the daughters is ava's age and so they're in third grade and then um the other couple they have two young boys and one of them is jonah's age and so he was in kindergarten and jonah was in t1 that year we had decided to hold him back and so we get there and you know we're going snow skiing and while we're there um we are talking about going to the hot springs and so and i've never been there before we've been to durango plenty of times but had never been to the hot springs and so usually we just go swimming back where the condo is and stuff and so we get up the next morning and uh me and my family and um Lorelai and her dad and Liam and his dad we all go snow skiing Mm -hmm. 
And so the moms and little baby boy, he, they're like, we're, we're going to go to like the next town. We're going to go to, uh, you know, Silverton, Uray, you guys go have fun. And we're going to go over to a next town and like, just explore. Mm -hmm. Everybody's just, you know, excited to be there. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we get home from a day of snow skiing and we had already, you know, made the plans or reservations to go to the hot springs. And so we're all just kind of laying around. It's like, oh, do we go? Yeah, let's let's all pack up and go. And so we get there, and um, hot springs. Is, I mean, explain. describe it to someone who doesn't know. Like, are these little holes of hot springs? Yeah. Like so they have they have like a pool, and then they have. I mean, it was in the dark, and it's very foggy to me now. But I mean, maybe like five or six pods that you could like a hot tub mm-hmm. and so we get there and check it in putting our stuff in the lockers my husband and I get ready and we have our two kiddos and come outside with us and then um we're like you know do you guys need to stay together the pods and everything were definitely near the pool like we could see them mm-hmm. um but Is it's it dark, dark. And whenever you have heated pools like that and it's cold outside, it's steam. foggy steam. And so get into the get into the pot or get into one of the little um, pods and then you know the rest of the friends come out and I see little Liam, Jonah's little friend. I see him walk out and then we kind of you know just start talking and then our two kids come over and um not really thinking too much about it we're just talking and then all of a sudden it's just kind of like you know hey where's where's liam at you know how long have you been there 15 minutes mm-hmm. i mean it was a very it gets dark early there mm-hmm. so i want to say you know i can't be 100 percent on the timeline but i mean it was like six something maybe and maybe seven mm-hmm. and so i mean we had been there 15 minutes mm-hmm. And so we're like, where's Liam? Well, he was just an adventurer. Mm. You know, he would bounce off and, I mean, with his smiley face all the time. And um, he just, he, you know, would go off and just like, what can I find? Mm -hmm. And so we're like, man, he just must have, you know, he's talking to somebody, Mm -hmm. you know. And so a little bit of time goes by and we figure out like, no, we have not seen him. So then kind of a panic sets in Mm -hmm. and um, I start you know, walking or I walk around the pool, kind of, you know, circle it, don't see anything. And so I start going over by the pods. And by that time, Tyler and Chris and Jared, they've circled the pool. Tyler's his dad. Chris is his grandpa. And then my Jared. (laughs) And so, um, we're all just kind of like, you know, have you seen this little boy? Um, and so I go by the pool again and I, um, don't see anything. And so then kind of making my way and like, God, just like walk over there one more time. And I actually like really hover over and I see his body at the bottom of the pool. And so automatically like jump in and pull him up and they, you know, did CPR on him and everything. And so Jared goes to the hospital with Tyler and Chris and I take the kids back to the condo with me. And so before we had left the pool, I had called Michelle and Amelia and had told them what had happened. And so they're on their way back, but hadn't made it back yet. And so they go, they go to the hospital. And so while we're there, Jared calls me and 
on the phone and I'm sitting there with the kids and we are just even at the pool I could not there there was a guy there that was doing CPR on Liam and I'm just on my knees bartering with God and I feel ashamed to say that now but in those moments you know it's like I will do whatever you want me to do like please do not let this happen to him and so in those moments just on my knees praying and we all I mean we all were um but Jared calls me from the hospital and tells me that Liam doesn't make it and so um that definitely um I would say tested my faith uh made made me question um when we got back home I was so angry at God um did not want to talk to God um did not want to worship and I love to worship And, um, I went to church because I did not want my kids, I didn't want to project off onto my kids what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, they had already seen me cry and this mom doesn't usually cry. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they were super just worried, you know? And so I continued to go to church, but I was mad. I wouldn't sing. Um, I didn't get in my Bible. And so, um, just definitely turned my back. While they're, while you're in this space, they've also been traumatized. Uh, Yes. How are you talking about God to them? Um, it really wasn't, I, they know enough and they've been saved that, bless their, like, innocent child heart. Mm -hmm. You know, Jono's like, well, Liam's with Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, and how amazing could I just if I could feel that way, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, I just didn't talk about him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, you know, you accepted what they said, but you couldn't, I didn't really expound. Yeah. I mean, I was just mad. I was very, very mad. And so I am always open to listen to my children. Um, and usually we talk about, we have deep conversations, but, um, during that time, I just didn't really say too much. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times whenever Jared would take them to church and I would stay at, uh, at home in bed. Um, and that happened for on and off for a long time, for a really, really, really long time. Um, a year and a half had probably gone by and it, I mean, it was getting gradually better, but there were, I was still like super mad, but things were coming back. Like, um, worship was coming back a little bit, um, I would get into my Bible a little, Mm -hmm. but still just the anger and the questioning. And so one Sunday morning, I just was very restless at our church. And I think it was because God probably knew that I needed some healing. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I did pray. um, And I asked God, I was like, I just need to go somewhere. I need to serve somewhere. I don't know if it's up in the city somewhere. I mean, I I would tell Jared, I'm like, are you okay with me not going to our church on a Sunday morning and going to like a homeless shelter and doing that instead? Um, That's for some reason, that's just what I needed. And so about two months later, no, probably not a month later, maybe, um, this group that I go to Nicaragua with, the leader of it, Brenda, she messages me and she was like, um, you ready to go to Nicaragua? Because you had already gone on a few, I mean. 
I had been trips. like these yeah. were faith-based trips to go right. serve the people in, in Nicaragua. So yeah. this wasn't something new, right? We had been twice, and then COVID kind of shut that mm-hmm. down. So I hadn't been um, since 2019, and then I didn't get to go again until 2023. So it had been three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's like, "You ready to go?" Yeah. She. I mean, I told her. I said, "Any when when we we text back and forth every once in a while just to check up on each other." And so I said, um, "She said, are you ready to go to Nicaragua?" And I said, "I have been praying to go somewhere." And so, yes, I was ready to go to Nicaragua. Scared um, no. Scared no. in a sense of like, God, I know you're calling me, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure what you're going to do with me. Because um, you, you, you were going to have to deal with some emotions. Yeah, but I didn't know that at the time. Okay. You know, um, I was just ready and I needed to feel something again. And so in Nicaragua, it's just, it's like a home away from home. Mm-hmm. And getting to serve those people and really, I mean, I would, I feel close with God with my family, but in that time of need, I needed to go away by myself, not be a mom, not be a wife and just get to heal. And so, but I didn't even know that at the time. I just thought it was just me just needing to go serve because I hadn't been somewhere in three years. And I think like we we miss that because your family went through something tragic right as a mom or even just as a responsible person i'm not going to say it's a mom thing you have helped your children grieve you have helped your husband grieve again everybody experienced this evening together right and when do you get to grieve and i think that's missed a lot because we're helping everyone else grieve right you're i'm asking you what are you saying to your children and you're having to walk them through i mean i read books about grief i read books about grief how to help them deal with it how to help them yes how to help them yeah Yeah. and we're finally you're hearing like god's going okay now it's time for you right right you've helped them not that that ever stops not not that grief ever stops but now it's time for i go take you away right and then what happens in Nicaragua? Um, so before I leave, I, out of all the books I could have brought, I mean, I brought my Bible with me and then I brought two books with me and they could not have been more appropriate. I mean, it you was actually take them like, I'm going to take these and these are what's going to speak to me uh, while I'm on this trip. No, I was Mary. like, God, what do you want me to bring on this trip? Right. I mean, cause we have some downtime of like, we go into villages where other people don't go. Mm-hmm. And so it might take two hours to get there. Mm-hmm. And so you, I made sure to, uh, have worship music with me, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and so these books. And so, one of the stories was about Lazarus. Mm. And so it talks about how, you know, Mary and Martha, there's these two sisters and they have this brother Lazarus and they're friends with Jesus. And Jesus is in another town, but he gets word that Lazarus had gotten sick and that he died. And so I'm reading this and I was like, wow, okay. Mm. You know, so, um, but he jesus waited and stayed in that village for a couple of more days he didn't like immediately rush to lazarus and so whenever he got there they're like you know if you wouldn't have ran away or if you wouldn't if you would have come earlier you know martha and mary are both saying my brother would still be alive you know and so um he said you know just wait 
who, who wants to be told to wait? And so he said he will rise again. And so he, Jesus does bring Lazarus back to life. On earth. On earth, yes. Um, But it also, to make sure to tell in that book, though, you know, then we want to know, well, why didn't that happen to me? And so it it can happen on this earth. You know, there are stories that people, you know, that they go through that. Um, But then on on the flip side of that, though, you know, I don't have all the answers, but... You know, whenever I get to heaven someday, maybe I don't need to know why. Mm -hmm. It's not my, it's not my plan. It's God's plan. Mm -hmm. And so, um, just being able to understand that I'm not in control. I mean, for the longest time there has been, and some days I still struggle that, um, because I was the only mom that was there. I mean, his dad was there Mm -hmm. and his grandpa was there, but you know, as a mom, a lot of shame and a lot of guilt, um, just over the last two and a half years. Um, and you know, I'm still friends with them. And so just walking alongside them and just feeling, sh- you know, shame and guilt and they don't put that on me, but it's just, you know, absolutely. And so, but, um, whenever I'm in Nicaragua, you know, being, um, when you're in Nicaragua, you are on the radio and you get to tell your story. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I was in Nicaragua, I told them about how, you know, usually you tell your testimony about how you got saved. And my testimony, because God gives us testimonies all throughout our life. Mm-hmm. So if you are in an encounter with somebody and it's not about the moment that you got saved, but you feel connected to tell them about how your marriage got redeemed, tell them about that story. Mm-hmm. Or if you're in Nicaragua and you just walk through, you know, this little boy drowning and you know somebody else can connect with you because they just lost their son maybe in a different way but you can connect with them and so on the radio I had decided to tell my testimony about how I had turned my back on God and and how I never thought that I would do that because you get saved and it's like yeah you're just faithful all the time and um but I I didn't do that and I was mad and I questioned and so it it wasn't until It was very freeing on that trip to be able to tell that testimony because I had not been able to get it out. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to do that. So on a Nicaraguan radio show. That goes out to five different countries. This is the first time you really just shared the story. Yes. And you had a translator saying it for you. In Spanish. Right. Yeah. 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 Because at home, I, you know, everybody knows what happened. And so I just really didn't want to talk about it. And I've tried counseling and it just, maybe someday I will. I don't know. There, I'm sure there's still some things that I need to work through, but um, counseling just hasn't been it for me yet. And so while we were there in Nicaragua, um, the men always do a building project. And so before we've like done kitchens for people and added onto their homes and all of this stuff. And so one of the villages that we went to, um, they had the walls for the church, but they didn't have the floor. Mm -hmm. So their project that week was to get the floor. Mm And then hopefully to get enough money that they could get a top on it. So, I mean, we're there for about eight days. And that last day, they get the floor poured and uh, all the men work on it that week and it's finished. And so they're going to have a service there that night. Mm. And so we show up and a Nicaragua service doesn't last for 45 minutes. (laughs) You're going to be there for a good two, two and a half hours. Yeah. And so, but they didn't have the top on yet. And it's like... Um, they're setting all the chairs up and we sit down. So picture these cinder blocks of walls Mm -hmm. and then the concrete, concrete floor. Mm -hmm. And you sit down in this chair 
and God is just, you're looking out of the ceiling because there's no rooftop. Yes. And there's trees blowing in the wind. There's these birds flying by. I mean, it is heaven right there. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, God, this is a time that it's okay for me to just give it to you. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's gonna, I'm going to surrender, surrender this pain to you Mm -hmm. and you're going to take it from me and give me some peace about it um and so that was the moment whenever when I got back that I didn't think about the tragedy every day Mm -hmm. that it wasn't a reminder of oh I don't want to get out of bed that day you know and so I am a deep pool thinker and with my friends I do I mean I have a you've taught me over the years Mm -hmm. Steph you need to have a small circle and so don't have any more than like three or five. And so instead of searching for all of that acceptance from everybody else, just find a couple of your Christian good friends and that's what you will pour into. Mm-hmm. And so I do think take things on very heavily. Quantity, not quality. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, quality, quality, not quantity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I do take things on heavily and I feel things heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now there, there are still days, you know, but it's, few and far between now that I can have those um were more of the sweet reminders of God Mm -hmm. to say I've been here the whole time yes I understand that you closed the door off of me for a while Mm -hmm. but I was still there so God did not ever leave me Mm -hmm. he never leaves me I'm the one who cuts off that relationship Mm -hmm. um and He is always there waiting. Mm -hmm. And so I just encourage somebody that if you feel like that there's nothing about yourself that God would love you. And there's anything that you could do that it's like, it's not irreversible. That's not true. That's not true. Yeah. So this is the second time you've shared your story? Yeah. So what would you say to someone who hasn't shared their story yet? Um... People need to relate to somebody the way that because maybe because I'm more introverted. I don't know. I'll never I'm not going to say never because maybe God's going to change that Sunday. But I'm not one to just open myself up with people. And here I am doing it, I guess. But I'm not one to just open myself up with people. And so but I need to do that more in the sense of how can somebody relate to that? Because I'm more relatable to somebody whenever they will share something intimate about themselves. So that's like your driving force to step into that comfort zone. To to be able to get comfortable with it is I can relate to when someone shares their story with me, that lets me get um, vulnerable and grow. And so I'm going to be uncomfortable so that person can relate to me. Yeah. Or pick something small about your story. Mm-hmm. That if you're talking to somebody, you know, because like we just talk about very superficial things with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Still we're on talk. we're on the go so mm-hmm. often, you know, but we do find ways to share. Mm-hmm. So like I do home health, and the other day there was a sweet couple that was telling me about their story and that they had been, you know, divorced, but they had found each other, mm-hmm. and we're so thankful for one another. Mm-hmm. And I told them about Jared and I's redemption story, mm-hmm. and so I got to share that, you know, and we're probably I don't know five years ago I might. Might not know how to do that mm-hmm. i guess i just over the years like the more you yeah. do it the more you just yeah. become com- comfortable to do it yeah yeah and i think in all that like with your marriage redemption story it's easy 
it's easy to say, oh, my, my, our marriage was redeemed. It was great. We're good now. But it always should be all glory to God in all of that. Yes. How do you give God glory in Liam's tragedy? I give God glory because I can't wrap, as a, as a human, I can't wrap my mind around it. But I can trust him. Mm. And so um, being able to walk through that and still walk through it with the mother that had to go mm. through that mm. um, and seeing her grow, mm. you know. Um, that You she, and I have had an amazing sideline seat. Yes. I've had a crazy sideline seat to both of you in very different places with the same tragedy. Yes. And you both blow my mind. Well, like, it's... It's only God. It's only God. It's like only there God. is, all, there is, and we have said this several times, and I will preach it till I'm out of breath. It is all about filling your cup up, because it, it's not if they're going to happen; it's when your knees are going to get totally swiped out underneath you. Yes, and your breath is going to be taken away, and your entire world is going to fall down. And when your cup falls over, what's going to spill out of it? And if it's not Jesus. Like, I don't know what hope you have. I don't know how people go through things that they do, like like that, yeah. that don't know God. Yeah. That don't, I mean, because even though I was mad at him and I was turning my back on him, I still felt his presence. Yeah. I still knew that he loved me, mm-hmm. you know, but I just don't know how people make it through those things yeah. that don't have that. Yeah. yeah. But it's our job to, to be those people. What would you say to someone listening right now? who doesn't know this man, Jesus, that you have ran to, that you have been mad at, that has taken your frustrations, that has been okay with you shutting the door, that has been okay with you coming back, that has never left you, that has never turned his back on you. What would you say to someone who doesn't have a relationship with him and how do they find that? Um, I would say to them kind of like, I tell my kids right now, there is nothing that you could do that is going to make him turn his back on you. As many of the things that you think maybe I'm not good enough or I've done in my life that I'm not good enough, you are good enough because he created you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it truly is simple to all you have to do. Like it is a free gift from God. And the only literally thing that you can do or that you are responsible for is being able to hold out your hands and say, yes, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just takes care of it after that. Mm-hmm. And so being able to just accept it. And if you're looking for, I mean, I've had plenty of people. I mean, I've, I've, I've gone through all of it for, through the bad things and the good things of looking for something that will accept me. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn that my husband can't fill that cup. He helps, Mm -hmm. but, you know, if I'm on a day where Jared hasn't, um, we haven't spent quality time with one another, it's like, no, I need to be spending quality time with God Mm -hmm. because he's the one who's going to fill my cup. Mm -hmm. And when he does, then it just pours over with everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, not, it doesn't fall over, but it pours over with the love of other people. Right, good. So how can we be praying for you? Um, I pray for myself that this would continue to happen. So I just continue to, or I will ask 
um, for your prayers that you just said a little bit ago that it's not if it happens, it's when it happens. Mm -hmm. And so that my relationship with God out of this has, out of all of these things, has become so much stronger that I realize that I don't have to be in control. Mm -hmm. And so when it it does happen again, Mm -hmm. that I don't turn my back Mm -hmm. and that God is there for that I allow God to be present in our lives yeah and I, in your pursuit of him yes I mean we that's you just have to continue to pursue him and correct and as he pursues you you pursue him and that I mean it just you just keep building it because when it does you're like oh, okay I'm gonna respond a little bit better than I did last time <laughs> we hope <laughs> we hope we hope yeah so weird is your word so we're going to end on a, a lighter note because okay. this was pretty heavy. It was heavy. So weird is your, is your, I'm sorry, weird is your word. How are you keeping it weird these days, Steph? Keeping it weird? Well, that's how you like putting me on the spot. Right? I know. That's what I do. I mean, just keeping things light, keeping things fun. Um, we're wearing a shirt that says Weekend at Fernie's. I know. I have Shout a shirt on. Magnolia. Yeah. Well, you know, we went and visited there. And so, <laughs> well, and then we're just in Starbucks. And so, you know, what is it? Austin's Keeping It Weird. Austin, Keep It Weird. Yeah. So, but they have a cut there that says Keep It Weird. Yeah. You know, and so that's just, it's not weird in the sense of like creepy weird. <laughs> you know, like I don't want you guys to think of that. No. Um, it's, it, we call it the good kind of weird, not it's the weird kind of weird and so just knowing that things are different everybody's different Mm -hmm. and so if you can get past that but keeping christ centered like you be you and it's not you do you it's be who god made you to be and so i feel like probably jesus was weird yeah you know he was so he was radical i'm sure some pharisee at some point said who is this weirdo absolutely and so i'll try to even say then you know like hashtag weirdo for jesus right i mean my my kids tell me all the time mom you're so weird and i'm like thank you that's such a compliment you know like (laughs) i love it i love it ava jane says it more than jonah yeah because you know she's so serious oh and and the eye roll and the bombastic side eye and all the things that she does yeah so whatever well steph i appreciate you being vulnerable and transparent and i know we it wasn't that we had to come all the way what 400 miles down the road to do this in a hotel room but it just was it was god's timing yeah um and um that's- i was the very one of these that you were going to ask me to do it and how long ago has that been that you like this has brought been it up? since 2020 sometime during 2020 yeah. that this, so. you've been on the list now right. I, you get a check mark by your name hey, woohoo! Um, and so um hopefully there'll be others that have been asked um and it just has to be in God's time yeah. and they'll say yes and we get to share it. But I appreciate you yeah. and I love you. I love you friend. And thanks for being my weirdo. Thank you so much. My dear friend, I want you to know that this man, Jesus, my guest spoke of is relentlessly pursuing you at this very moment and longs to love you unconditionally, no matter your story. There's no fancy prayer or special words, just believe, trust and surrender. We've listed several free resources in the show notes to help you begin your relationship with Jesus and to walk in his truth and love today and for eternity. And to my brothers and sisters, if you already have a relationship with Jesus, then I encourage you to continue to pray for our guests and all who listen to this podcast and to go tell others about a man that changed your life forever.